Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for your prayers and for sharing the podcast. Mary, good morning. Happy Friday. Oh, good morning. Happy Friday to you <laughs> and all the listeners. Yes. Guys, if you missed yesterday's podcast, we had just tremendous response uh, with Don Stewart from Educating Our World. The title yesterday's uh, show was Last Day's Bible Prophecy Being Fulfilled Now. And we went through, like, rapid fire, 12 bullet points that could have been expounded upon each, probably, possibly in a separate podcast, mm-hmm. each of them. Mm-hmm. But we went through 12 of those with John Stewart. It was uh, just an encouraging and informative mm-hmm. uh, show if you want to pull that up at StandUpForTheTruth.com. But today we've got very important topics to discuss, and we're kind of going to break this down into two halves. Equipping the Saints, which will come in the second half of today's podcast, and entertainment, culture. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Christians are in this world, but not of this world. So are we to be salt and light? Are we, are we to stay at home, bury our heads in the sand? Are we to just ignore what's going on when it comes to evil? Should we confront? Should we share the gospel in boldness? Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. So today's guest, Pastor Jeff Solwald, is back with us. Many of you know him from the show that comes on right after ours. Ten, it's not a show, but it, it is his teaching program called The Upward Call, and he's with Calvary Chapel, Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, you can hear his teaching also weekday mornings here on the radio station that powers Stand Up For The Truth, and that would be Q90FM.com. Pastor Jeff, welcome back, brother. Good morning. Well, thank you. It's a real blessing to be with you all, and uh, and what a great ministry you guys have going on up there. Well, thank thank you for your insight. We love having pastors' perspectives on all of these topics. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go through some headlines, go through some things that affect Christians, and uh, some things, unfortunately, that a lot of Christians just ignore and don't speak into or don't speak to. But let's talk, uh, first of all, about uh, the Grammys. We haven't really talked about that at all this week because of the obvious. I mean, it is it is a demon fest. It is, what did you say? It's a sewer, Mayor? Yeah. Well, all, all of the awards shows have turned into sewers, just yeah, a reflection of what Hollywood is. It is yeah. a reflection of what Hollywood and the music industry is. And, friends, we are uh, we're, we're right now, for those of you that just download the podcast that are not aware of this, Stand Up For The Truth is also on the radio regionally and online on a station in Green Bay called Q90FM, and we play a lot of Christian artists. But through the years, our music director and program director had to pull a lot of artists off because of the lack of biblical worldview. And you heard me right. These are Christian artists. Now, Sean Foyt says, now he's one of the worship leaders who's going around the country holding all these big revival meetings and worship and praise meetings, calling on Jesus to just just really wake up, awaken the church um, and save souls, and it's a, it's an interesting movement. Uh, but I want to say he is one voice that had called on Christian artists to speak out 
against demonic performances at the Grammys. And Pastor Jeff, I want to get your response because we haven't heard anything since I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, if you're listening, send me an email. 2014, when Natalie Grant walked out of the Grammys because she was she couldn't take it, Katy Perry that year did a very mm-hmm. demonic and offensive number, you know, really occult-driven, dancing around with fire and witches and all this stuff. And um, so Natalie Grant walked. Since then, I haven't heard of any Christian artists at the Grammys. Now, that's their industry. It's a business. They haven't said much that I've heard of. Pastor Jeff, your thoughts on this and how Christians should respond? Uh, probably haven't heard of Natalie Grant either, I suppose, since then. <laughs> is that kind of how it is, too? Well, we've seen her several I mean, times in this area. She does a, a Christmas tour with Danny Gokey, and it is, oh, okay. it is phenomenal. But anyway, yeah, yes. But, I mean, as far as, you know, the secular music scene, you know, right. I mean, that's kind of the, the deal. You, you know, if you dare step on people's toes, you, you know, you get canceled, but... Um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't watch the show, obviously, you know, yeah. but it's all over the news and, and it is pretty just blatant. It's, it's like it's not even they don't even try and be carnal or mm-hmm. or sensual. They try to be antichrist and, and not even try. They just mm-hmm. are. They want to do everything they can to poke their finger in the face of God mm-hmm. and and do that, you know, in front of the largest audience possible. And, you know, it, you, all you have to do is, you know, as you read the Bible or look through history, but the Bible itself, God's word shows us that Israel got to that point, you know, under kings like Manasseh and, you know, Ammon, who did the same thing. It wasn't enough that they could, that they just, you know, uh, were idolaters, mm-hmm. but they had to have their idolatry right in the temple. They had to do it right in the face of God yeah. and purposely. And that's what is so alarming and disturbing and, and, you know, typical for those who, you know, don't want anything to do with God. They, they can't just ignore him. They have to offend him mm-hmm. in some way as, as much as they possibly can. Well, and the, so, and the, yeah, it, it's sad. The, and the Christian music industry, I think a lot of us of a, of a certain age know how, how far it's gone. Well, into, it's a business. Into, it's a business. Yeah. It's an industry. But I'm thinking about Keith Green. You know, uh, I was oh. I got saved around the time he was running. He had a song called No One Believes in Me Anymore about the devil. Mm-hmm. And here's one of the, <laughs> just a very short verse. And I encourage people to look it up because it'll it'll really shock you how, how well he nailed this. But he mm-hmm. said, I used to have to sneak around, but now they just open their doors. You know, no one's watching for my tricks because no one believes in me anymore. It's such a great song, and um, there's so many things in plain sight now that never used to be uh, the demonic aspect. And then when Christians say something, they scoff. Uh, it's just it's wicked. But if you get a chance to read, no one believes in me anymore. Lyrics by Keith Green. I encourage you to do that. So yeah, we're seeing yeah. open rebellion is, and it's they're not hiding it anymore. They have no reason to right. hide it because it's popular and accepted. Um, but I want to ask you this, Pastor Jeff Solwald. We've got some Christian artists that might say, yeah, well, I went to the Grammys to be salt and light. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to yeah, that? Yeah, well, 
you know, then you should be, I'm hoping, preaching the gospel to people and, you know, uh, sharing the the truth with them as opposed to just what's going on on the stage, making, you know, it's one thing to stand up and walk out, okay, if you're going to be there to be salt and light, then, you know, go around and tell people this is completely evil and this this is what the Bible says regarding, you know, what's going on here, this is how... Uh, you know, people are going to be have to stand before God for these things. Be, then be salt and light. Don't just think that because your presence there and you call yourself a Christian artist, it's going to produce something. You know what it's going to do is it's going to stumble a lot of Christians that you know are looking to you for an example and and seeing you just seem to be part of the pack there when they're gathering together. They're not. You know, they should walk out at least but if you're going to be salt and light then do that be be salt be you know the person who's you know if you got the platform you know just preach the gospel and immediately you know i mean i always loved that about billy graham or franklin graham even you know mm-hmm. billy how are you yes. doing today i'm doing great because god sent his son to die on the cross for my sins you know it's the first thing he would say wherever <laughs> he was whatever platform that was, mm-hmm. that was the first thing out of his mouth you know and that's what it should be with a quote-unquote christian artist it then it then preach mm-hmm. the gospel Amen. you know the, unfortunately, a lot of them, as we've seen through the years, have compromised because they get into the industry, and it is a business. We call it Nash Vegas because it's the Christian music business is based there primarily, and they go in in their 20s, perhaps. And that's a very influential time where, where maybe their faith isn't generally as rooted and grounded as it should be, and so they are influenced, and they are they are susceptible to compromise and to try to please the record label or the business exec, the company who's putting them out or putting their records out. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, um, what I guess what advice would you give Christians that are in secular fields, which most people are, and just to stand strong and to, to be a vocal um, proclaimer of the gospel, not just try to I, – like I, I used to like this quote in the 80s, but then I thought, wait a minute, that's not biblical. Preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. And I'm thinking, well, mm-hmm. wait a minute, well, that's not preaching the gospel then, is it? Yes, so I, yeah. so your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it, there's – you know, know what you're getting into. You know, first of all, be grounded in the word, be grounded in your faith, and, and you know, have that mm. that strong relationship with the Lord – before anything, but you know, if you're going to get into that, you know, I, I was in, I lived in LA for 12 years and was in uh, secular music industry, and I know the pressure there is, you know, and there's in bands touring and trying to make it big and everything. Mm-hmm. We never did, but you know, the pressure that comes with doing whatever it takes, you know, to get signed to a record label or, you know, to then, you know, produce what is expected it's such a huge behemoth you know the the industry and i'm from what i'm told and people i know you know the the christian side of it is no different you know it's run by secular you know when you get ultimately that's a secular uh, music company you know Mm -hmm. maybe a, a smaller label that carries christian artists but they answer to you know the the larger company that's secular, and all they want to see is money, and they want to see dollars, and so you have what's 
I just heard uh, Snoop Dogg now put out a gospel album. Oh, you're kidding <laughs> I don't know if you heard me. of that? Oh my no, God. yeah, and, and so you <laughs> just know, like and Kanye he's West. Talking, right. Yeah, so he's talking Christianese, you know, and everything. Oh, I'm sure geez. to just tap into a, a whole new, um, you know, genre where I can get some money out of this, and then you oh. know, make a make headlines when you disgrace or discredit or you know become you know like a kanye west just mm-hmm. then be a, uh, a hypocrite in yep, the midst yeah, of it but yeah. you know you see that and <laughs> you see what's going on if you have any idea i mean someone is genuinely like mary said a, a keith green you know mm. for him to be at a grammy show like that yeah, you know, I know. Would, can you picture would, that he would yeah, you know, he would be getting up and going, you know, what are you people doing? Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> right, right. And there you are know, some he would good, be, there are some, yes, some godly yeah. musicians. You got your Bruce Carrolls and your Richie Furets, and they and they're working hard yes. and they want people. They want to bring people into God's presence, and and so there are still some good ones. I would, you know, just be discerning when people. If you listen to lyrics, make sure you really listen and don't. It's so music, you know, has an emotional co- component to it, yes. and we get dragged off by the. The, the emotional aspect of it and how it makes us feel, but Christians are called to something higher than that. And that means worship music as well. Yes. Jeff, please speak to that yes. because worship music, it's got to mm-hmm. be theologically sound. Mm-hmm. And, oh, dear Lord, what some churches are singing yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything I know in our church, you know, any new song has to come through me. You know, Praise God. And yeah. and Brian, our, pen, our assistant mm-hmm. pastor, you know, I mean, we they send it to us. We okay it. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's just the first step. I don't care how good the song is. I don't care how popular it is. Right. Well, what if it's and catchy, that's just, though? Yeah, <laughs> That's well, great Good for them. You know, we're, we're not here to you know entertain. We're That's here right. to sing praises to God. Yes, and exactly. and is this gonna is this gonna glorify God? And we've been blessed with you know a number of good um, like worship leaders here, and they get it. You know, and and now I've encouraged them. You know, in the last few weeks, now they're they're taking that into the children's ministry, and and we're making a purposeful effort to do that, to bring the worship team, parts of the worship team into where the kids are and minister to them the correctness of worship and what it means to worship. You know, why these people raise their hands? Why, you know, where does that say that in the Bible and teaching them at that young age? And so we're doing what we can, you know, Mm -hmm. but that is it. And yeah, because the worship side of it as well as become just a, a money-making thing and you know i mean just one more thing for the grammys you know what the grammys long ago showed what they showed their true colors so if a christian artist is invited to the grammys it's they shouldn't be shocked you know <laughs> what, what do you think you're getting invited to here exactly. you know you should yeah. be ready and yeah. and okay i'm gonna be god's mm-hmm. salt and light in this place that i know i'm going into going to be evil. It's so going to be wicked. Let's just wrap this up here by reminding you, well, if you guys weren't familiar with it, because we didn't watch, you know, the Unholy show, but that's the name of the song that won mm-hmm. uh, Unholy. It, it won for the, oh, I really? guess, best song. It's called Unholy. That was a demonic song. This guy named uh, Smith, Sam Smith, mm-hmm. he came out as gay in 2014, changed to genderqueer in 2019, and in, in 2017, then a couple years ago came out as non-binary. So he collected a fifth Grammy Award, and uh, someone named Petrus was, was uh, I guess, the first, quote, transgender woman 
to ever receive a Grammy. And that's the way of the industry. So that's a nice transition, Pastor Jeff, to the Church of England, pondering a gender-neutral uh, God, meaning God is Father. They want to remove the patriarchy, I guess. It's offensive. And Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And uh, Jesus said to pray, our Father, who art in heaven. It's hard to mistranslate that. <laughs> to, but yeah. that, this is the Church of England. It's the Episcopal mm-hmm. Church. The Episcopal mm-hmm. Church is pondering this change in language for God's gender. Your thoughts. Please help us. Well, it, again, it's uh, just uh, expressing the, you know, the, the their desire for popularity and you hate to say it, you know, but I'm sure money, you know, I mean, they're, they're gonna, uh, they can't just teach the Bible or preach, you know, whatever they're gonna preach and expect to be popular and expect to be rich, you know, and if that's what you want to be, you have to go along with the popular culture and the people who have the money. And that's gonna be, you know, that the, unfortunately, those who, you know, have, digressed in such wicked wickedness i mean how much more shocking can you it's not even shocking anymore i mean for someone someone to say i'm non-binary oh boy i'm shocked you know i'm not like i'm not it's not even a shock anymore yes in the church this again would be just an abomination to Mm -hmm. even be doing this but all they're doing is is showing the culture in the church and not the other way around. And right. Amen. It's right. unfortunate. And their underlying motive, is, you always have to say, what's the motive? Well, it's rebellion against God and, and having made man in his image, Pleasing male and world. female, not, yeah. not yeah. willing to call God a man or Lord. It's just blatant rebellion against the Bible and, and God's revealed nature. So, And it's interesting that uh, we are also, the church, referred to as the Bride of Christ. So that's feminine. Well, who would be the masculine then if it isn't Jesus, right? Or God. Right. Yeah, but, you know, we again, we shouldn't be surprised. You know, you see uh, prophetic passages like Isaiah 24. You know, why is God bringing this judgment upon the earth? It's a it's a prophecy of the tribulation and what's coming. And he tells why, because of the proudful people that are on the earth. And because they have transgressed God's laws, they've changed his ordinances, broken the everlasting covenant. This is Isaiah chapter 24, verse 5. They, I mean, God's laws of nature. You know, they they transgress them and they change his ordinances, such as marriage and government and family. Those are the things that God ordains. Gender is what God has just naturally made people. And yet God tells us up front, this is 2,700 years ago, you know. God is saying, this is why I'm going to burn the world up, you know, because people are going to be changing what is natural and defiling that and break, and purposely transgressing his ordinances, such as marriage, family, and those types of things. And so if, if someone is biblically literate, you go, wow, this is just part of, you know, the, the ramping up to the yes. Lord's return. Obviously, yes. this is what's taking place and in the, right in the church. The church is an ordinance. It is, uh, is ordained by God. And what are we going to do, you know, well, in the name of Christianity, I guess they're going to, you know, make everybody welcome, you know, just like the 
what is what is the new he he gets us campaign yes. <laughs> that kind of thing let's know? talk about that because a lot of people don't know what that is and they think oh that's a cool thing they're talking about jesus they're running ads at the super bowl but jeff mm-hmm. we know a little bit more about that campaign that should raise some red flags and cause alarm to bible believing christians could you let's mention this a little bit what what's the danger of this social justice message well, it, it's there's no gospel in it, and there's no reality of Christ in it. Now, when you say that, I mean, the, this is the thing that is just so uh, unfortunate, is if you dare to speak out against it, because they're just doing it because they want people to get along, they want to unite people, they want peace and love and that didn't jesus want all that and and so if you say well wait a minute you know jesus said i didn't come to bring peace on earth i came to bring a sword and the enemies of a of a man are going to be those of his own household and you know they don't they leave that out they leave out the part that you know you're a, a wretched sinner you need you know salvation and you're not good you know and jesus came to tell us that you know he's he brought salvation to those of us who who need him not we don't need to just unite with one another and love one another good luck doing that apart from you know everybody being filled with the holy spirit and then you know you'll have koinonia which he died on the cross to provide for his church mm-hmm. to have. Yes. But the world is not going to have that without Jesus Christ. And exactly. that is the, that is the false message there. You right. know, he gets us, oh, I like Jesus. Uh, uh, you know, he's great. I mean, I just, uh, there was, uh, the Cultural Research Center of Arizona. I don't know if you saw yes. their, uh, inventory from 2022, you know, Two-thirds of the parents of preteen, these are millennials, identify as Christian. Two-thirds of the parents of those who are preteen, you know, these are parents with young children. They identify as Christians here in our country, yet only 2% have a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. They're biblically literate, 2%. Mm -hmm. And that's because they watch these these ads you know and they think that's christian and they don't read a bible or they don't get you know they don't understand what the true gospel message is so yeah i saw an ad that said you know the gospel's going to be preached at the super bowl this year through this ad you watch the ad there's nothing of the gospel in it right right, (laughs) they have well and they uh are spending 20 million uh just to buy into the super bowl for this um ecumenical at best at best, mm-hmm. and that's not even a good thing. But it says the campaign was launched in 2022 to reach people with the truth of the gospel. I've seen these ads. There's no gospel in these mm-hmm. ads. Exactly. Um, exactly, and it yeah. says $100 million budget. The ad highlights the humanity of Jesus, showing how he was a refugee, had disdain for hypocrisy, and was also unfairly judged like other marginalized members of modern oh, society. DEI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just there's no good thing in it. I and you have to have the right Jesus and you have to have the right gospel and they conveniently have left that out of all of this. Pastor Jeff, yeah. uh, diversity, equity and inclusion, that's a very massive uh, ideology that's not only in the public schools, it's in our government, it's in the corporations, and here we have a so-called Christian ad campaign. Uh, saying Jesus was a refugee, um, he was unfairly judged like other marginalized members of... Uh, so help us understand, first of all, it sounds good. 
Well, wait a minute. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in. You know, I mean, was he a refugee? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so for people that don't understand the Bible, please explain that. He was <laughs> yes, homeless. It, you know, they say he was homeless oh, at Christmas right. time. It's uh-huh. homeless. Right, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, all of these things by choice, you know, he, he went in and he, you know, he shared the truth to the Pharisees. And so he wasn't liked. But that's why, because, you know, he told the truth. And he lived the truth, and that's why he was marginalized, and that's why, you know, people, at least when he was here on earth, you know, he was nailed to a cross because they didn't like what he was saying. And, you know, they, the people now, they take his persona and they turn it into, uh, you know, just as, you know, Jesus said w- was going to happen. There's going to be many who are going to come in my name. There'll be many false Christs, many who, you know, are, are claiming, and he said three times in the Olivet Discourse, don't be deceived, you know, don't be deceived. That's going to be, the deception is going to be over the top, and this is just another form of it, is, you know, an ad campaign like that. Somebody's spending a lot of money. Why don't they give that money to true refugees if they're so worried about right. them, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And by the way, you know, shame on the Christian Post. I mean, sometimes it's, uh, anyway, it's, it's, they've had a lot of changes through the years. But they put out a headline, Millions to Witness the Gospel at Super Bowl Through He Gets Us campaign. And we're, we just got done just talking about just some highlights on why you will not hear the true gospel. But let's move on. We've got five minutes left in this segment to wrap up our uh, just our, our Christian view of what's going on in culture and entertainment. We've got two interesting movies or series. One of them is The Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist, that by, with Kevin Sorbo, praise God, they came out and, and did this or redid it, and now it's exceeding expectations. And then we've got The Chosen, uh, season three uh, finale lands in the top ten in, in last weekend's box office. Very interesting. Jeff, people seem seem to be... Uh, maybe some people hungry for spirituality or something encouraging or good, but um, share your thoughts on what you can tell us about Left Behind and or The Chosen. Uh, you know, the, the, in and of themselves, you know, they're neutral, but the, the unfortunate thing that I've found is that, you know, a lot of people, they go to these movies, they... They watch, you know, some TV show, whatever it is, and that is their Christianity, and that is their relationship yes. with God. You know, right. it's, they know everything about the chosen. They know everything about the latest Christian movie or the latest Christian uh, concert that came around, the music that's being played, and so good. But you get down when, as a pastor, when I'm sitting in my office and somebody's life is falling apart, and, you know, you, you ask them, well, what did God say to you today in his word? Well, I wasn't able to get in his word. I haven't been in his word. I have, <laughs> don't do devotions. I don't do these things. But I know the movie, you know, and boy, is it great. And the chosen, you know, they're so into that. But uh, again, it's just, it's, it, it, it's, I guess it's better than watching, you know, some R-rated movie. But if yes. that is your Christianity, if that is, what you define as being Christian, you're, you're way off the mark yeah. at that point. You know, it, it, what the, from what the Bible says, it doesn't say go watch movies and and you know 
tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, or left behind, I'm sorry, you know, I mean, Jesus said those who are going to be left behind are going to be sent to strong delusion. Mm-hmm. You know? And so to have this whole, I, don't, I haven't seen the movie, but the books were all about some, you know, underground squad that was fighting against the Antichrist or something. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I haven't seen this latest movie. So, yeah. Well, and visuals are very important when it comes to the chosen. They're very well-orchestrated visuals. People have said, well, now when I pray, I I can picture Jesus, or now I think I know Peter better. And so they're they're replacing the God of the Bible with the God in someone's imagination or a casting call. And I think that's very dangerous. Nowhere does it even describe Jesus, his physical, you know, what he looked like at all, you know, and and that's... Actually, Isaiah did a little bit. Intentional. Yeah, his his image was marred beyond recognition. Yeah, yeah, he was, you know, there was nothing in him, you know, that would attract us to him, Mm. you know, just ordinary guy. And But no, I mean, you get in the Gospels and it doesn't say he was six feet tall or had long hair even or anything, you know, it just... There's nothing, and that's intentional. God does not want people mm-hmm. worshiping images, and and it, and that's what happens. You know, that's why you know there was this Jesus Revolution movie coming out, and yes, the guy playing Lonnie Frisbee in it is the guy from The Chosen. Well, you know, I saw a screening of it, and um, that's all I could see was this, that's the guy from The Chosen. That's Jesus <laughs> isn't it? from The Chosen. Wait a minute, now he's going to be the main figure in the. Jesus revolution, and it's, it is Jesus. Wow. <laughs> so, Pastor Jeff, one more minute left in this segment. What is the Jesus revolution movie about? It's Pastor Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel and that movement, correct? It, well, it's supposed to be of, of the, um, you know, the, the um, revival that took place mm-hmm. back in the 60s and 70s. But, yeah, you're not going to see people surrounding themselves with Bible and Bible studies and and what you hear from the mouth of Chuck Smith himself, how they didn't do anything except teach the Bible, open it up and read it, that isn't seen in the movie, which is mm. unfortunate. Mm. But you got a lot of hippies in there and stuff like well, that. Well, well, that's good. At least we got the hippies in there. Shout out to yeah. a people group <laughs> who were marginalized in the 60s, right? Yes, they all right. were. Yes. <laughs> all right, we were, we're talking with Pastor Jeff Solwell. We've got to take our first break. When we come back, we were going to change gears here and shift and talk about the importance of being equipped and the pastor's role in equipping the saints for ministry. Coming right back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, well, Pastor Jeff Solwald is our guest today. You can hear the upward call uh, right here on Q90FM. And you can also go to StandUpForTheTruth.com and today's podcast blog. We will have that, that link to Calvary Chapel Madison and the Upward Call. Mm-hmm. Mayor? Yeah, Pastor Jeff, you know, we've known each other a long time. And one thing I know about you is how much you love God's Word. And it's living and active. And when you teach, that, that comes through more than anything. It's just that sweet relationship with the Lord and how we are transformed by God's Word. And we're living in such very dark times, and I, I fear the church is not really equipped huh. uh, to endure it and to continue to just do what they do regardless of how they feel or 
circumstances in the world or what's going on, and that's proof with the Grammys and all the compromise that is in the church and the false teaching. I guess my question for you is, what is the best way, where would you start to equip the saints for the dark times that we're in? Uh, what are some of the passages, maybe recent teachings you've done that would really help the believer be e- encouraged and equipped to stand firm in these times? Yeah, well, when you when you come to that topic and just the understanding of equipping the saints, you know, thankfully, according to Ephesians 4, Jesus is the one who gave, you know, those to equip the saints. It's not something I have to go to seminary or be to be, you know, schooled in. It, it doesn't hurt. It's good to be schooled in that, but it is a calling that comes directly from the Lord. He himself, it says, Ephesians 4.11, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints. So Jesus takes it upon himself personally mm. to, to do that. And if somebody is not called to that ministry, now they, who, who are they being influenced by? And that's, that is where the, um, the sad reality these days is that you have all kinds of pastors that, you know, they are trying to build a gigantic church or make lots of money, be popular. There's, there's a lot of what they call the celebrity pastors, you know, and mm-hmm. and yes. and you see the Andy Stanleys and the Joel mm-hmm. Osteen kind of guys who, man, obviously they're doing something right because look at how popular and how rich they are and how large the ministry quote unquote mm-hmm. is and yet there is they are so far afield from what the bible teaches that a pastor is supposed to be doing and yes. equipping saints for the work of ministry they you know that is you know my job and i know you know i'm an offshoot of dwight up there in appleton and you know i came moved here in 98 you know it's the first place i went and just, you know, came under his umbrella and, and submission to him. And it's been such a great role model as well. But he, he you know, models the same thing, just the teaching the Bible to the saints. And what you have now is, as I shared in the first half of the program, you know, the latest um, research that was done for the 2022 results of, you know, looking at the state of the biblically literate in our country, mm-hmm. two, 2% of millennials, those who would be young parents, you know, the parents with children under, under 10 years old, you know, 2%, they, two thirds of them claim to be Christians and they probably all go to church somewhere, but only 2% possess a biblical worldview and have any sort of, biblical literacy Mm. and that's where you know that's why you see what we see in our culture that's why you can see the grammys you can see the um uh, the christian artists you know and what they do and say the things they promote how they just uh, have no conscience at all promoting you know uh, uh just aberrant lifestyles and saying that it's okay and, and God is okay with these things. And then these people who go and sit in a church on a Sunday morning mm. because they're not being fed, they're not giving the counter to that. 
are, you know, being led astray by those people. And the, the blame does fall on the, on the, the pulpit and the, in the pulpits of our country. And, and it's, you know, sad to see. And I know here, you know, we, we have three services a week. We have Sunday morning, we have Wednesday night, we have Friday night and people come and we, you know, we get a lot of people who come out because they're hungry for the word of God and mm. they come to, you know, be taught the word. And that's what we found is, We've been just uh, going through the Bible now. We've gone through it, you know, uh, almost two times in many of the books. And and see, as people get fed the Word of God, now they come on fire. Now they are equipped, yes. and they start doing the work of ministry. They start saying, what, what can I do? What can I help? How can I do these things? They are be, becoming evangelists in their sphere of influence at their health club at their school they work at at the you know the um job wherever they're at whatever their you know line of work is or profession or whatever you know we just had a brother go home to be with the lord who was from the university and and shared about him before but he was you know, he was a flaming atheist and evolutionist until he started hearing our program on the radio and got saved. Praise and, God. Yeah, and, and he just became, you know, a he came out, quote-unquote, at, at the university as a young earth creationist. And it, people were just shocked that, you know, after 35 years of teaching evolution, you know, he his whole worldview flipped upside down just by reading the Bible. I, I remember he came to church a few times and challenged, you know, some of the things that I was saying. And I told him to go read the last chapters of Job, 38 to 42. And he came back and his jaw was on the floor. He's like, I didn't know this was in the Bible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he read that and, and he realized that the Bible was, you know, way ahead of its time with yep. regards to science and, and uh, understanding those types of things. So even there in the university, we've had several, uh, university professors come to church who would come to church here and get fed and go back and take that there. So. That is what a pastor is supposed to be doing. That is how you equip the saints. And unless that's being done, the culture is not going to be affected. It's not going to be influenced. And so that's sad to see and that that's not taking place. Mm -hmm. Pastor Jeff, you brought up something very interesting, and we could probably do a whole podcast on this, the Bible versus science. Some people have mm -hmm. this erroneous idea that uh, the Bible and science have to be separated well, science just means knowledge, and scientific, like people like Isaac Newton, he wrote more about the Bible, about Daniel and Revelation, than he did about all his scientific discoveries, but mm -hmm. very few people yes. know that. So he mm -hmm. approached science and his research as to, to confirm the biblical worldview as the God of creation, and that, of course, brings us to today and how Christians can respond to this. He created them male and female. There's so much we need to know and be equipped from reading the Bible, but from our pastors as well. Can you talk to that, please? Yeah, that's, again, uh, you know, the pastor should be seen as the authority and, and should speak authoritatively. And not that I am the authority, but when you teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the Bible, you 
you know, you're allowing the Bible to be the authority and in speaking authoritatively from that position. And that's, you know, I think where pastors, they have that position of pastor, but, you know, they take it upon themselves to be the authority, not, not the Bible. And, and yet they're still in that position where people are listening to them and, and they speak authoritatively, but there's nothing to back up their words. Mm-hmm. And so, it, like I just taught Wednesday, the Table of Nations in Genesis, mm-hmm. perfect example of, you know, we went through all of this list of where all the nations and on earth sprung from and the different uh, geographic areas that these that the original 70 nations went into and, and developed and grew out of and traced that all down in the teaching and then teaching all these people here who are in the in the church listening and, and said you know if this is foundational and even secular you know uh, uh, science backs this up as far as you know the where these nations came from archaeology confirms these things why wasn't i taught this in high school why why wasn't this should have been the first thing they said now turn to genesis 10 because this is where all the nations of the earth have sprung from and this is how it uh, how this works but i wasn't mm-hmm. and so i have to i as a pastor have to make sure it's being taught here excellent point. now you know as a as a pastor here in calvary chapel madison you know i Every six weeks, I go and teach the kids in this church on Sunday morning. And Brian, our assistant pastor, takes the pulpit. I go in there and I teach. And, mm. and you know, that is something that I challenge the church because I say, you know, these are the next generation kids. And it's one thing to challenge. It's another thing to do. And so my wife and I have been doing that for a couple of years now. We've always taught, but... You know, we're going to get in on children's ministry rotation and be in there and teach them and show the kids that, you know, we are a body here. That's not just some strange guy up there on the platform. And but, you know, this is how the church works. And you are part of the body and teaching kids from the youngest age. And as I shared in the in the previous segment, you know, I, I just have encouraged our worship team to be doing that as well and they're doing that now they're Mm -hmm. taking a rotation where you know several of them go in and they're teaching worship too because we got a lot of kids we're a very really prolific group here so (laughs) you know but we go in and we we're making sure that it's not just delegated off but you know Mm -hmm. this is going to be a a body of believers Mm -hmm. doing this work here and that's i think how you equip the saints as well Mm -hmm. well and kids need to see that body functioning as a unit and it reminds me again of if Ephesians, you know, to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. And then it says, and then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what you're talking about doing is, is what actually brings the body together, keeps mm-hmm. falsehood out, and teaching Genesis through Revelation, because if Genesis isn't true, then Revelation isn't true either, and everything in the middle is a mess. So yes, um, yes. I just I love how you put that, Jeff, and how you view the body as a whole and how it is to function. That that's just really encouraging. And it, it, you know, it, the 
body themselves catch on to that mm-hmm. and they see that mm-hmm. and you have to model it it's one thing to preach it from the pulpit it's another thing to model it and not that i'm trying to be you know exemplary in some different way but that's just where my heart is and mm-hmm. and you know i know that these kids are important god's brought them here for a reason and and uh, other folks see that and they realize, you know, that this is an important part of our church body and they get involved. And so, you know, it's it's really helpful. Another thing, you know, that we have been doing and I've shared, I think, on the program before is how we pray every service. It's just part of the service, really the pinnacle of the service is the prayer time. And we've made it to where it's not just social time. This is you know, at this point in the service, the whole congregation, we're going to break into groups. We're going to pray together as in one accord, as you see in the book of Acts. And, you know, we've doing that, been doing that over 10 years now. And, you know, it's it can be difficult because people aren't used to it. And especially when visitors come or something, they look around like, boy, this is weird. Everyone's like breaking into groups and starting to pray and, and at a church, you know. Wow, <laughs> what, a, what a gimmick you got going on here, you know. <laughs> but, you know, we've really stressed it and really made a, a point of it. And some people left the church because they, they just did not feel comfortable praying with other Christians. But... Other people have come who have just said, this is what I'm looking for. And that, you know, that prayer time has grown and solidified the body we've seen really in in ways that wouldn't have been done otherwise. You know, people don't just leave. They they bear their souls with one another in prayer before they leave. And it's Mm. been just a real blessing to see how that's been going and you know we got an email this week from someone in mexico we watch your service and we know that you guys pray and it was like begging please pray for pray for my dad he's having a surgery wow. so somebody in mexico are getting an <laughs> email and they they actually they were up at the conference last um up in appleton last fall oh and my goodness. heard about that and mm. they started watching the our uh, live stream and and just knew they needed prayer desperately and Praise God, you know, they email, we know you guys will pray for us, you know. Jeff, so, well, that's a great, can you, great thing to be thought of. Um, I just love hearing this. I mean, this is one of the pillars of the church, obviously the gospel and making disciples. And in Acts 2.42, one of the pillars, you know, prayer is one of the f- four foundational elements of the early church. And we've got people, and I think since COVID, too, you, you, you might hear people, and you might not hear them, but you might have people thinking, well, do I have to touch somebody? Do I have to grab their hand? Do I have to lay hands? I mean, seriously, I mean, there's a fear there, that's, and mm-hmm. some of it might be irrational, but speak to the importance of bearing one another's burdens, of praying and lifting others mm-hmm. up and being there. That's show, Jesus showed compassion on people and prayed for them, and, and we have so much that we need to pray about, but our services in general uh, in many churches in America have become about something else. Yeah, yeah, they become more of a show, and people come in and they sit and they watch. They're the audience, and the people on stage starts with the worship. Are the show, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's even and even the pastor, you know, is is the show, you know, and mm. and that is unfortunate because it t- completely obliterates the whole idea of body and of a church unity and that kind of thing, and so that's really been our you know our aim and and 
seeking to really develop that within the church to see to you know the people who are coming and attending church you are as much of the body as i am a part of the body as these little children are a part of the body Mm -hmm. the worship team they're not the stars you know they're not the entertainment they're just a part of the church body amen and getting the kids to do that you know incorporating and you know, when we, I was teaching through Acts when we um, started prayer and we have in our fellowship hall where we have uh, meals and everything uh, that's signed from Acts 242. And, yeah. and I'd walk through there every week and we had prayer night was Friday night, you know, and, and it was optional. If you want to come, come to prayer night, you know, and we'll do, we'll be doing that on Fridays and and I would get convicted because the Lord, you know, would would just point that scripture out to me. They say you're doing three of these. You're teaching the apostles doctrine. You know, you're, you're, you know, we even have food every time people Fellowship, gather together, yes, breaking right. bread and everything. But prayer is optional. Why is that? Mm. And I would be convicted because mm. I get up and be teaching Acts and say, and they were all in one accord, and the whole church was together. They're all in one accord, and. Mm. And uh, so that's when I got our board together and and brought that. I said, you know, because at the time that we were really growing quickly and we could have started instituting programs and, and those types of things to grow even quicker. You know, there we knew exactly what we could be doing because, you know, the mega church down the street was doing those things. And mm-hmm. I said, guys, I personally don't want to be a pastor of that kind of church. <laughs> and why, you know, why don't we do what this, uh, why don't we put it on the, the body that we we need to do these things. And so it was a conscious effort we made and, and I alerted the body to it ahead of time. And said, you know, if this is going to, because people kind of look nervously around, like, what's Pastor Jeff talking about here? You know, we got to do something, you know, (laughs) and, and, uh, it just said, you know, if we get together and, and we break into prayer and this is going to be the, you know, main part of what we do, we're going to, we're going to sing praises Mm -hmm. to God. We're going to get washed in the word and then we're as a body, like it says there in Ephesians 4. You know, where the whole body joined and knit together mm-hmm. by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body mm. to the edifying of itself in love. You know, I so said, this mm-hmm. isn't the Pastor Jeff's show. It's not the worship team show. You guys are the church. And yeah. so I said, we're going to start doing this. If it's uncomfortable, then we got a problem, you yeah. know, and, and we have to solve this. And we're going to mm. do, we're going to start praying. And yeah. it's been just such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, in these days, a lot of people look at the church as just another consumer commodity. You know, we rate them according to how they made us feel or whatever. And, and you know, but my favorite thing about the church, and I think this should be in every church, is some assembly required because you really have to get together and do all those things you just (laughs) said. Um, That's how it works, and it keeps us from deception. Um, But praise Mm -hmm. the Lord. You know, there are pastors that get it. There are churches that get it, and we want to encourage them to assemble to do these very things. Hey, Pastor Jeff, you said something very, very important earlier, and I, Mm -hmm. I, I need... I think we need to find a way to get beyond this in some of our churches too many people in the body have become spectators. So mm-hmm. they feel like they go, they they hear the worship, maybe they'll stand, maybe they'll raise their hands, maybe they'll sing along. Then they sit down, 
They'll maybe take communion, maybe if, if the church does it every week or whatever, and then they'll hear the message, whether it's good teaching or not, not sound doctrine. This is just what they do. Then they get up, talk to people for a few minutes after the service, and then leave. So they are mm-hmm. spectators in a, in a way mm-hmm. that you'd go into an auditorium and maybe watch a movie. How do we get beyond that? How do we get some of our churches to get back to the early church model? Well, thankfully, you know, we have the model right there in the book of Acts. And so, you know, it's pretty much laid out for us what to do. And it's just a matter of uh, pastors and elders and churches saying, you know, we've got to do this. We we have to buck the system Mm. and just do what the Bible says and not let let the Lord, you know, uh, deal with, with the results here because it's his church. It's not ours. And. And yet, there's, it's so ingrained, it seems, in in so many sectors of Christianity that mm-hmm. this is just the way that you plant a church, you do a demographic study. You, you know, if you did a demographic study, Madison would not be the place you're going to plant the <laughs> Bible teaching church. Believe That's right. me. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's not like all these people from Madison come to our church. You know, we right. are just here like a sore thumb. You know, but <laughs> lots of people come from all around Madison. <laughs> You know, but that is, that's how people look to plant a church because it's a business. And I know, you know, people in my family, I know friends who I've known over the years who have gone to seminaries and things like that. And, you know, this one brother-in-law of mine went to Dallas Seminary and before he went to plant the church that he did a demographic study on, he, his final, uh, uh, assignment for uh, the seminary was to have two years of sermons in the can, tech, quote unquote, is how we put it, so that he could just concentrate on growing the church. Mm. So that meant, you know, no studying, none, none of that, you know, I mean, very little, but it, you had all of that already done. Like, that's just out of the way. And uh, as a pastor, that's my main job all week long is studying the Bible, mm. preparing for it, you know, so that uh, people can get well fed from what the Bible teaches. And until the people break that mold and that mentality, you're not going to see it. Mm. But, uh, you know, one thing I think, guys, is that you see this, just the ugliness and the wickedness, should the Lord tarry? And, you know, I'm with you. I don't see him tarrying much longer. <laughs> he doesn't. But should he tarry? I mean, you've got to figure it it's, You can see it right in biblical, you know, narratives. At one point, people are just going to go, you know, this isn't even shocking anymore. Mm. I want to, I want to, you know, now they, there's, there will be a turn. There'll be a revival. That's what I pray for every day that people, mm. you know, I mean, how much Jesus. more wicked can you get mm-hmm. before people just going, oh, this isn't even fun anymore. This, <laughs> and they don't mm. even get it, you know, anything out of it anymore. And then they come back to the truth and they get fired up because they realize what the, where the real meaning of life is and where the reality is. Satan doesn't have that. He can just lie to people. And and when people get saved, like many of us did, coming out of that world, and now you realize this is this is where the action is, this is where exciting is, where the Holy Spirit is leading and doing things. You know, Lord willing, that's the direction our country will go, and I pray every day it would. You know, Amen. right now, you know, you look at the things, the the race riots, you know, the immorality, sexual immorality, all that. It was no different than the 60s. 
the, the same things that were boiling over then are mm. boiling over now. God, God can work, you know, his best in times like this. And so I pray for revival. Oh, that, that's a good reminder for all of us mm-hmm. to be praying for revival. And it's got to mm-hmm. start in the church before it gets out yes. and reaches the nation. But Pastor Jeff Sowald, thank you so much. It's always mm-hmm. a pleasure to have you on and get your perspective. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it's a blessing to have Mary be part of this, too. Oh, it's awesome. Mary, yeah. love you. Thanks. Right. God, bless you. There, God bless, bless you, Jeff. Yeah. Right. We'll keep in touch, right. brother. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Oh. Just, I hope you're edified and, and encouraged by some of what was shared today, friends. Um, looking ahead to next week, we've got Elijah Abraham in studio Monday. And then Tuesday, apologist and podcaster Elisa Childers, her new book, Live Your Truth and Other Lies. We'll be talking about that. Marsha Montenegro Wednesday, David Horowitz on Thursday. He's got a new book out and an interesting perspective, Front Page Magazine. Chris Quintana on Friday. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.